try to encourage somebody and help somebody today, and I'll, I'll be honest, we're all um, we all human. We all got issues that we have to contend with, and uh, the message that um, uh, I'm preaching, uh, I hope just as much to um, encourage my own self, because I've been through a lot of nothing spiritually, but all uh, kind of earthly and things happening going on this uh, this past week that um, uh, a few times you know got me has gotten me on edge uh, but you know we all got junk in the world to deal with but one of these days we're going to be in a place where there's not going to be none hallelujah I, I just hope and pray for wherever my mansion is in heaven, I hope and pray that uh, God's going to send one of them angels by and mow my grass for me. I don't have to mow my grass. <laughs> you especially hope that, so, don't you? Right? All right. Hallelujah. But we, uh, we're going to move, move right along. And a short scripture to open up with for our text found in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16. And as I said, I, I, I hope that I can encourage someone uh, today. This is what it reads like. For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. Lord, we come today, we thank you, and we praise you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your goodness and the blessings you have given us each and every day. Bless this word. Speak to somebody's heart here today. Help me, God, to deliver the word as you have put upon my heart. In Jesus' name, let the church say, God bless you, and you can be seated. Hallelujah. And I am mighty proud of my beautiful wife this morning. Amen. On her birthday, I thank She has been losing weight. That dress she pulled out, she hadn't been able to wear. That was the dress she wore at Jennifer's wedding. She came out strutting out there this morning. I said, where'd you get that? I was hoping it wasn't another boyfriend went and bought her a new dress. I, I couldn't remember it. But, uh, but of course, the way she's been losing weight, it's not too easy. You know, it's not all that good to lose it that way. I want to speak to you a, a, a few minutes today on a subject titled, Knocked Down, But Not Knocked Out. Knocked Down, But Not Knocked Out. I, I believe that every individual in here can look, think back, and put yourself in the place of poor old Rocky there laying on that mat. Many a times 
we've all have been knocked down in life. We've been bloodied. Hallelujah. I stand before you today as one who's been knocked out many times. But guess what? By the grace of God, I'm still in the match. I'm still swinging. I'm still going. Now, I won't tell you it's by my strength that I've done it, but it's all in Him. It's all in Him. Since I, I used that picture there to uh, for the title, I want to start off talking about the sport of boxing just for a moment. And boxing... Years ago, when it first got to come to being, was far different in the early days with matches going much longer, and they were much brutal. Now, there's a picture I want him to put up next. Uh, this is a picture of a fighter back in 1909. Uh, I was looking up to find pictures of uh, uh, old Rocky Balboa to put up, but as I was looking up and I Google things, I didn't know about this fighter here. He's he's a little bit he's a little bit before my time now. Uh, Brother Bobby maybe went and seen a couple matches. I don't. Know. <laughs> sorry about sorry about that, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in 1909, this man Joe Janetti. In a match, he was knocked down 27 times. Think about that. He was knocked down 27 times, but still went on to beat a man by the name of Sam McVeigh by TKO. After being knocked down 27, now I don't know the way, the, like I said, things was a lot brutal back then and they didn't have as many, I don't know if they would even allow a man being beaten, knocked down that many times today or not. But he was knocked down 27 times and even though it was a technical knockout, he won the match. Now, and thinking about that, let's go from there to uh, to another sport. Emmett Smith, who played for the Dallas Cowboys for 14 seasons, he held the record for rushing yards in his career. Emmett rushed for 18,355 yards. Man, you're like, man, that, that, that's a lot. How did he accomplish that when he was not known? <laughs> he was not known for accumulating greater yardage in a single game. Matter of fact, Almost his whole season, about the total amount of yardage he was able to go at a time was 
steamrolled by something. a man that carried the record for a long time, amen, of total yardage, but the average yard he ran in a game was only 4.3 at a time. Over and over again, how He did it by getting up and keep running. Are you hearing pastor this morning? He would all, no matter how many times he was tackled, no matter how many times he fumbled, no matter what he did, he kept up and he, he kept getting up and he kept on running. That's what I pray that this message will encourage everyone here to do in your Christian life. Just because getting up and going again every time you're knocked down to the ground, you're going to have hard days when you are tackled by circumstances. You will have days when you stumble and fall and you drop the ball. But just get up. Look at somebody beside you and say, just get up. Just get up and go again. A man or a woman's righteousness in God's eye. Listen to me close. We're concerned about being righteous. We're concerned about living holy because that's the way that we please God is through holiness. We all concerned about that. Oh, we should be concerned about that. But I want to tell you something about holiness and God's righteousness. A man's woman, a man or a woman's righteousness in God's eye is not measured by how many times they fall, but rather how many times they get up and continue going. Think about this. How many times have we all quit something because we got discouraged? Hallelujah. How many times have we quit something because we got discouraged? Man, it happened to me just yesterday. I went in the house, and before Sister Darling could say a word, I say, I don't want to hear you telling me I'm negative. Because that's usually the first words out of her mouth. Because I have tried all week long. I've done everything I could do to this stinking moor, but I've had it now going on seven years, and that five acres is just about worn a thing out. I said, so don't tell me I'm talking negative, but if I had enough gasoline left, I would go out there right now on that zero turn of mine, and I'd pour gas all over and strike a match. I would call that discouragement. So how many so how many times have we all quit something because we got discouraged or somebody criticized us 
Hey, I guarantee you, you don't know nothing about Pentecost or apostolic if you ain't never been uh, criticized. Good old Baptist folks, back when I was a Baptist, they never criticized me for nothing no matter what. So, I mean, if you know anything about Pentecost, you, you know something about criticism. But how many of us have given up because we've been criticized or messed up in some kind of way? Or sometimes we're just simply afraid. Sometimes we quit because we get afraid. How many times has the devil prevailed against you Simply because you got tired of trying and you threw up your hands and said, what's the use? I told you I wanted to get real with you this morning. I want to help somebody because we're living in, in times where there, there, there's a whole lot more time behind us than there is ahead of us. Jesus is soon to come. And I don't want nobody to get discouraged. I don't want nobody to give up just because you fall. Because God ain't going to judge you and how righteous you are by how many times you fall. He's going to judge you by how many times you keep getting up and keep going. Hallelujah. Because guess what? God will admire the man or the woman who keeps getting up. He's going to look down from heaven and he says, look at that man. Look at that woman. They have been knocked down. They've been brutalized. They've been beat bloody by somebody else or by some circumstances. Here it is 27 times now, and they're getting up again. God says, I can't let a man or woman like that lose the match. I've got to help them win. Galatians 6 and 9 says this. Hallelujah. I don't remember. I mean, I even put it, gave it to them. I don't know. But Galatians 6 and 9 says, Don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you're going to reap if you don't faint. Have you ever been disheartened or had your spirits dampened over a fall, over a failure, over a disappointment? I have, and we all have. We all have gotten disgusted over ourselves. 
Sometimes I get disgusted at my own self. I say, Sammy, you, you stupid thing, you knew better. You say, oh, you talk to yourself? Hey, I'm the only one that'll listen. <laughs> Darling, quit listening to me. I'm going to tell the devil. <laughs> Praise God. Or I could listen to my own self because I'm admitted here something smart. <laughs> but I digress. Hallelujah. Church, that's no reason to stop. It's no reason to quit trying or judge yourself unworthy of the reward because you've messed up in some kind of way. I want you to consider I want you to consider some facts. But uh, first of all, before I do that, there's something else I want to I want I want to share with you. I guess Coca-Cola is about the most well-known uh, soda drink. Now I didn't I didn't call it a pop because I'm not Yankee. I was reading something from Gary Shelton, that Southern boy, born guy there not long ago. You still keep a lot of contact with him, and he said. I've been in the north for many years, he says. But the only thing has changed. He says I don't. I, he said I, I start calling Coca Cola's pop now. Well, I don't say pop, hallelujah. But Coca Cola, in the first year of their distribution, sold just four hundred bottles. Four hundred bottles. Now they're everywhere. They're all over the world. Do you know that you can find Coca-Cola in some places of Africa where you can't even find water? There's 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 some villages in Africa that you can't. They don't even have fresh running water, but they got a little market, and you can buy a Coke. What if those people gave up after the first year and said, man, we only, we only sold 400 bottles all year long, and about that time you could get a bottle of Coke for a nickel piece, so that wasn't a lot of money. I don't know, maybe some of you around here may be old enough to remember them cheaper than a nickel. Brother Paul Becker probably remembers three cents. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody heard the name Michael Jordan? Do you know that Michael Jordan was cut from the high school basketball team? The coach said he just, coach said he just didn't have it. That coach, if he's alive right now, he don't have what Michael Jordan has neither. But you know what? Michael didn't quit. He kept trying. And he's now considered by many the greatest player in NBA history. And the secret of his success was recorded in an interview 
that he gave on TV some time back. Listen to the word. These are the words. I quote the words of Michael Jordan. He said, I missed more in my career than 9,000 shots. I've lost almost 300 games. There's been 26 times that I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot but missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. He said, but my failures is what I consider my winning points that's brought me to where I am. Because when I failed, I said, I'm going to keep going. You hear what I'm saying? Knocked down, but not knocked out. Now, one a little bit more, then I'm going to go on. I'm going to give you one more that we're going to talk a a little bit about the babe. Babe Ruth. He had the record for the most... What? Uh, he also had the record for the most strikeouts. That's right. He went on also to hold the record for the most home runs. Why? Because he kept swinging. He kept swinging anyhow. Hmm. And. My most favorite person in American history, one of my, well, I have to say one of my most favorite. Listen to this personal story. I know a lot about this man. I've studied his life. This man failed in business at the age of 22. He ran for legislator and was defeated at age 23. At age 27, he suffered a nervous breakdown and had to be put put away at a hospital for a while. Again, he ran for speaker of the House at 29 and was defeated. He ran for Congress and defeated at 34. Finally, at age 37, he was elected to Congress. But at 39, he got defeated for re-election. He was defeated in the Senate at age 46. Defeated for vice president at age 47. Defeated again for the Senate at age 49. I think most people would have packed it up and hung it up by that time. But age 51, he was elected president of the United States. I'm talking about a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. What would the USA look like today if Abraham Lincoln had given up every time he was knocked down? He stepped into his destiny by getting up 
and going on again and again. He was arguably one of the most, the best president we ever had, except for George Washington. For what, what would this country look like today if he had quit? Amen. Now, all of our talk up at this point has been about earthly things, but about the spiritual side of life. That side of the, of the matter has the capacity to cause you to lose out on the most important and valuable possession you have, your eternal soul. That's the most valuable thing anybody in here has, is your soul. There's nothing more important than your soul. For the sake of heaven and the reality of hell, you must never let a knockdown become a knockout. Listen to what I'm telling you today. I said all that other stuff just to lay a foundation about things of people in everyday life. But now I'm talking about eternal things. I'm talking about your soul. If it's important for you to keep going in life over worldly things, how much more should it be important for us if we get knocked down? Trying to live for God, trying to do what's right, to get back up and keep on going. I'm getting older, though. I'm, I may have to quit. But I'm only getting out to the first point in my ser- sermon. God is looking. God is looking for willing vessels, not flawless ones. Remember that. If God only looked for flawless people, he wouldn't have a church. He wouldn't have a preacher to preach. He wouldn't have a Sunday school teacher to teach. If God only accepts flawless people, God is looking for willing vessels. What I'm trying to tell everybody in this house this morning if you want to be used by God in whatever capacity, all you got to do is make yourself available. I remember something just clicked in my mind. I remember one time years ago, I, w- I was trying to find a job, 
and I went some somewhere to try to apply, but they didn't had somebody done fit out fit out an application, and pretty pretty well. Pretty well, much was hard, and when they asked them, can you start today? Oh, no, no, it's going to be next week sometime. Guess what? I'm sitting in there with my, uh, my hand raised. I'll start right now. I got the job. He said, you're hard. I was available. Some of you, you sit back and you say, I'm not talented enough. I don't have the capability. Hey, God is not looking for talent. He's not looking for capability. He, he, he could care less how educated you are. Because whoever calls, he qualifies. I'm not very smart. I, I don't claim to be very smart, but I'm smart enough to know one thing. I, I'm, I'm a dumb dumb except for God. After over 50 years preaching, There's something I, I, I say a whole lot. I won't say I say it in every prayer, but I say it in most of my prayers when I'm getting ready to stand before a congregation. Like why I'm standing before you right now. I say, Lord, I need you today. I need you. Because I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself to get up behind this desk to try to say something to somebody else. I don't. I said, God, but I know you enough, and I've felt your anointing now. I trust your anointing, and his anointing has never let me down one time. Let me give you just, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not halfway through my message. Let me give you one more scripture, and I'm going to close. I want you to know that God is looking for willing vessels. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing, remember he's looking for a willing vessel. He's looking for a vessel. Some, he's looking for somebody to make themselves available. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. 
Hallelujah. There have been some times, there have been some times in my ministry that every now and then somebody very talented and capable come along. Sometimes I'd even have people say, Pastor, you need to think about them put, putting them this and do that or, or do that. But I wouldn't use them. I wouldn't even take the time first to talk to them. I picked somebody else, maybe with not as much qualifications and talent, because I knew this person would always be available. We can't run a congregation and a church merely on talented people. You look around here, and you know what keeps this place running? The same thing as the Mangans Church with over 3,500 members in, uh, in, in Alexandria, Louisiana. You know what keeps it running? People that make, them, make themselves available. I've listened to many a sermon from Brother Anthony. He's a powerful preacher. His dad was a prophet of God, Brother G.A. And I used to go about every year, but I hadn't been in a while. But one thing Brother Anthony said years ago, I don't know, Brother Bobby and Sister Linda may have were with me that time. I, I don't remember which time it was. But Brother Anthony got up there in that beautiful edifice, that big auditorium, one of the nicest uh, Pentecostal churches in this country. And he said, you know, every year because of times we get we get people, young ministers, come from, come, come from everywhere here. He says a lot of them, they come in and he says maybe they don't, they don't have a 30 or 40 members in their church at home. And they look around and they think, wow. What the, the the workers that they must have to be able to have such a facility and do this. Brother Anthony, the pastor says, We might have we might have three three thousand something members. He said, but one third of my congregation does all the work all the praying, and all the functioning that makes this happen. Only one-third. So it's the same in the big churches as it is in the small. So when people say, I want to be used by God, you have got to make yourself available. You've got to make yourself available. Let's all stand.
but how many times you have gotten back up and dusted off and kept going. If a boxer can get knocked down 27 times, get half his brains beat out and go on and win the match, you got something greater than that boxer. You got the Spirit of God with you. You got the grace of God with you. I know you can make it. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. 